0: When I grow up, I want to be an engineer. When I grow up, I want to be an author. When I grow up, I want to be a fine art thief. When I grow when
1: when I I I up, I want to be a When I, 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 up. I when grow, I I I grow up, I want to be a fine When I grow up, I want to be a fine When I grow up, I want to be a fine When I to When I to When I grow I When I I Hi, listeners. It's Hana. In today's episode, I'm interviewing the creator of Learned League, an online trivia competition. In the league, individual players are matched against other players in daily matches and assign points to their opponent depending on their estimated likelihood of correctly answering questions that range across a variety of categories. We'll use some Learned League-specific terminology, including one-day special, which is a one-day trivia competition on a specific topic. A Rundle, which is a group that a person belongs to, and they can move up or down in Rundles depending on how well they play in a season. A Smith, which is the person who creates and manages a one-day special or mini-league. And a Buckner loss, where a player answers two more questions correctly than their opponent, but still loses due to bad defense. Welcome to My Dilettante Life. Today, I have the great pleasure of interviewing Shane Bushfield, otherwise known as uh, Commissioner Thorsten A. Integrity, if I remember correctly.
0: That's correct. Yeah, Thorsten A. Integrity. That's right.
1: So um the illustrious founder of an online trivia league that I am a member of, um, who has provided me with countless hours of spine-tingling entertainment as I figure out whether I know various pieces of trivia and whether the person I'm competing against is more or less likely to know it than I do. So thank you so much, Shane, for coming on the show.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking.
1: Well, just kind of to get started... Um, If you wouldn't mind giving me and our listeners kind of a brief introduction to what you do and how you got into it, that would be great.
0: Okay, well, um, so what I do is I run Learn a League, as you mentioned, um, and we could talk for 30 seconds or two hours about what that is, um, because I always find that it takes quite a bit of explanation um, to can kind of thoroughly describe what it is and how it works because it's, it's a very odd thing just kind of in general to exist and for someone to do as a job in general, it's a, it's a trivia league. It's a game. Uh, It's a head to head trivia. And so how it started, um, if you want me to just kind of go back to the beginning of how it got to this point, um, it's kind of a long story. So I'll go through it fairly quickly too, but um, it all started in around 1997, I guess, like late 97, I think the timing is. Um, and I worked in a law firm with a bunch of other people. I fairly recently graduated from college. So, you know, we we're all pretty young uh, working in this law firm in the satellite office. And I was running this group of sort of paralegal type people. And we would, um, we would were we were doing a job that was very monotonous and mundane. And we also had a lot of free time a lot of flexibility in our time. Um, So a lot of downtime. And so we started playing these different games. And then um, eventually I came up with a a trivia game, um, which was just basically trivia questions. And then it turned into a trivia kind of head-to-head league with standings and stuff. Kind of a very kind of rudimentary version of what Learned League is today. Um, We didn't even call it Learned League yet. Um, And I played that for a little while. And then... Um, there was like maybe three seasons of that. And then we sort of all dispersed. I went off to a a real job and everyone else went off to real jobs or grad school or, or whatever, bigger and better things. And so then eventually I was in business school a couple of years later. Um, and I had an internship between those two years of business school. And my project during this internship was to manage, a vendor that was developing a web portal um, for the company I was working for. And web portals were kind of like intranet web portals, a big deal in 2000. Um, so what I figured was in order to manage this vendor doing this web development, I needed to know some web programming myself, at least some basic rudimentary stuff. So I taught myself um, to do that. And the way I taught myself was by creating a Learned League website. I thought, well, kind of resurrect that trivia league that we, we all did. Were like 20, 25 of us. Um, and I emailed them all and I said, Hey, you want to get back into this? And he said, Oh yeah, sure. So, it was, so it was email really, really primitive website. So that's basically where learnedleague.com started. started. Um, and so from that point, it's just kind of a, a steady kind of growth from there. Like, so that first, first web-based season, which I think is learned league four, um, had maybe, it's maybe, maybe 30 players, somewhere around there. And then it kind of grew and grew and grew from there. Like I was doing it uh, while I was working, you know, just as a hobby for many years and it would grow slowly. Um, and then in 2008, so this is eight years later, and still even then it only had maybe just under 200 players. So this was just a thing for friends, right? Just kind of like... It was really fun to do. It's fun to write trivia questions and for your friends to play them. And we had this cool little setup where it was like head to head, right? With points and defense and all that stuff. And so, you know, just kind of, and, you know, if you had a friend who would might, you think might want to do this, you know, refer them and then they would join, you know, all that stuff. Right. So here we are, maybe just still under 200 players. And then I moved to Seattle, where I am now, for a job. And Fortunately, the job that I took out here, I was still able to do learned legal on the side. So so I kept doing it and I kept doing it and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And eventually it started to get to the point where there were were iterations, basically. I got to the point where I was, this was actually before I left uh, for Seattle, where I thought, you know, I'm going to just ask for some money. Just kind of help me out with like hosting fees and things like that. You know, and it does take a lot of time to do this, even as a hobby. Um, and I'm doing it like in, so I was on the East coast. So I was actually doing it really early in the morning, whereas now a lot of the work is really late at night. But, um, so, you know, um, so I just have like a weekly fund drive and those would actually go fairly well. Um, and so then I came out here and it kept growing and it got to the point where like, I really, I think I need to require people to pay for it. And that was a really big step, actually. That was kind of a monumental step in the history of of Learned League, and in the history of me as a commissioner, kind of had, as what I do. Um, because I thought that might be the end of it. I thought, you know, people aren't going to pay for this. This isn't a thing. You know, this is a fun thing to do online. You don't normally pay for things online, right? Um, you expect everything to be free like Learned League was. And so I thought, when I'm going to start charging for it, um, you know, people are just going to leave. Everyone's going to go. And it was a fairly controversial thing when I announced it. There was some pushback and some people got kind of agitated and some dire predictions were made. But the truth of it is it had virtually no negative effect. In fact, it was positive. Um, Not only was it not negative in terms of loss of players there was a there was a slight dip in the number of players after the first season where i was charging for it for real but it was overtaken immediately by growth so it was just a very small blip down and then it went back up and it also it also had sort of a there's kind of an economic effect to to charging for something um, where it gives it a value that it didn't already have like it assigns it a value um, and that definitely happened. I experienced that with Learnedly um, 100%. And, and so, so it kept growing at that point and the membership model kind of adjusted and to, to essentially where it is today with the different levels. And then, then I was starting to get to a point where like it was growing really quickly. It was getting, it was getting quite big and it was taking up a lot of my time. And meanwhile, I have a full-time job. I was working at Microsoft. That's why I came to Seattle. And so I have a full-time Microsoft career that I'm trying to develop. And meanwhile, I'm running this trivia league on the side um, that's taking up more and more and more of my time and starting to impinge a little bit on my Microsoft time. I guess maybe taking a slight step back, there was always this notion in my head, kind of a fantasy. What if I could do this like, for my real job? And when I first started thinking that it was totally fantasy, like wow, wouldn't that be like crazy? What a dream, you know, what a what a silly thought, you know, like like that could ever actually happen. And as it kept growing, that it started to become a little bit more and more serious of the thought in my head. Like, well, you know, maybe I could. You know, maybe I could, you know, more and more. Um, but there's always a thought, like, you know, I have a mic, I have a salary and benefits at Microsoft. That's all like very stable um and you know professional and so like why would i think to give that up to start my own trivia league business right but you know as it kept growing and growing it became more and more real and in fact it started getting to the point where it became required what i mean is that i had to make a choice like i couldn't do both anymore it was getting to the point where it was getting too big to manage on the side and my Microsoft career was was growing and developing to a point where I wouldn't have the time to do it on the side anymore, even if it hadn't been growing. Right? So they were kind of like conflicting in opposite directions. And so I had to make a choice. And so when I made that choice, I kind of built a business plan. I kind of built you know, milestones for myself. Like, well, this is what has to happen at this date, this date. We have to be at this level at this date, or I need to start updating my resume. At this point, if we're not here, I need a new job. I you know, so on and so forth. And really, the, the business case, I have to say, was for myself to kind of make sure I could kind of lay it out and explain it and convince myself that it would work out. But even more so, it was a business case for my wife, because I had to explain to her why I'm thinking about leaving my salary position at Microsoft uh, with our two children to do this thing that I've been doing for fun that makes far, far less money a year at that point. Um, but I convinced her. Um, she she was great. Um, so she went for it. And her name is Amy, by the way. And she she was like, sounds good. You know, she understood you know, what it takes and what was going to happen. And so so at that point, that's when I made that decision. That was 2014. Um, and I left Microsoft and started doing Learned League full-time as a commissioner. And here I am, eight years later, still going. Luckily, it was the right decision without without question.
1: That's uh, that's amazing, and and I actually I joined after you um, took it to a full time thing. So my first season was in twenty fifteen, but um, yeah, incredible to hear um, the development. I, I will say the fact that you built a business case for it and had kind of steps outlined as to what the ideal would look like, but then also what sort of your benchmarks were for deciding whether to continue down the path or look for another job. I don't I don't know I'm not in your wife's shoes, but putting myself in what I imagine her position was. that's that's really comforting to know that you're not kind of doing this on a whim that you're really kind of gaming it out to see what that would look like from a fiscal standpoint, from an organizational standpoint. So I'm sure helped you, like you said, kind of with your vision and reassuring her, but also just that way you'd you'd have concrete steps going forward, regardless of of which path things ended up taking. And it sounds like things have been, uh, you know, pretty successful. To yeah, it,
0: it it's been great. I it, I I actually, you know, I I I mentioned those milestones, and they really very quickly were obsolete. They were pretty conservative because I was kind of willing to, you know, struggle and 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 you know work to make it make it happen. But I zoomed past those milestones fairly easily, um, fairly quickly. What one thing that that happened, really fortunate, super lucky with the timing is um, fairly soon after I um, left Microsoft. So I'm on, so it's I'm on my own now. Like it's it's just learned league, um, so I'm moving forward. And really, just a matter of weeks after that, I was contacted by um, an editor at the Washington Post who wanted to. who was a learned league member and wanted to do a feature on. Unlearned League and and me wanted to come out to Seattle and spend some time with me and learn about how it worked and what I what I how I did it and all that stuff, and so that happened. He came out. So this was 2014. He came out around the fourth of July, and then I think the article was was um, published in August of that year. And that was a boon. That was a big shot in the arm for the league. And so that was a that was that kind of jump started the growth, which then just kind of continued on from there on the straight line. I think it would have been fine without that article, but that definitely helped to get to exposure. And, and when I say it helped, it, it wasn't that it um, it helped by giving Learned League exposure to a lot of people and making them want to join. I mean, that that's kind of what happened, but it's not exactly that because, you know, you can't just join, right? You can't just go to the website and sign up. You have to be referred and so, well, it's funny, what, when he was interviewing me, we were having dinner one night, he said, what are you going to do when this article is published and you start getting hundreds of emails from people wanting to join? And I, I said, I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a plan for that yet. Um, I have to figure that out. Um, but that didn't happen, really. And I, did, I got a few, You know, maybe a couple dozen people contacting me directly or through the website to try to join. But it wasn't that much. Um, and I think, I think part of the reasons is that I I think he did me a favor um, with how he framed the article and that he he framed it in a way that this is a this is a really cool thing that you won't be able to join. Or, you know, it was fairly clear that there are ways to get in that aren't just like obvious. Right. So but what did happen, a couple of things happened. So people who were who read about it and had never heard of it before were looking for people who were members in order to refer them. That's kind of number two. But the biggest thing that happened, I think, that resulted in the growth, the number one thing was that players who were in the league at the time, and, and at the time, there were about a little over 2,000. And so those players, a lot of them, at the time, they saw this article and they were energized to share it with their, their friends, right? Because it, it had a higher profile. And so the number of referrals spiked. That season, and and continued to be high from that point forward.
1: It's funny when when I was um, given my invitation to join. This is kind of cliche, but it sort of had this like Fight Club air to it. Not, I mean, obviously we we talk about Learn League all the time. Uh, I definitely bring it up to other people who seem like they would be the sort of folks who might find it interesting and and um, gratifying to participate. But it was this very, like, it's it's this thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, you seem like the sort of person who would be a good fit for it. Would you be interested in joining? And if so, I have to invite you. So it did have this sort of like, and this is after that article, but it still had this like underground feel to it that, and that exclusivity that I think makes it really attractive. And then you feel really flattered that like someone, you know, thinks of you as a person who would be yeah. interested in, in something like that, um, regardless of, you know, how of your approach to trivia. And I, I will say, incidentally, I do have some friends who enjoy live in-person group style trivia where, you know, you go to a local bar or pub with your team every week and they don't necessarily find the format of Learn League interesting. So I think it definitely appeals to a very specific type of person who enjoys trivia for trivia's sake and not need sort of like that convivial atmosphere of drinking beer and um, whispering answers back and forth to your teammate. I mean, I like that as well, but but there's something different to the enjoyment that I get out of particular Participating in Learn League, where it's just me against one other person, and you don't have sort of that atmosphere you get with pub trivia.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's a totally different experience. That's that's intentional. You know, there's been like I've gotten all sorts of like recommendations um, about how Learn League could change or add different features or different types of contests to make it more like you know pub trivia and things like that. And I'm I'm not really interested in doing that um, because Learned League is its own different thing. It's not unique. There are other things like it, but it's not pub trivia, um, which is awesome. I love pub trivia. There's absolutely nothing against it. But I like that that Learned League is different than that, right? So it's kind of occupying a different space. And so, you know, there are not, like something that I would not ever be interested in is like live, learn like a Learned League pub trivia, like having, you know, a aside a different part of the business that runs live events. Like I will very occasionally run a live learning league contest for some event, like some trivia conference or like some fundraiser here in Seattle or something like that. Those are just kind of one-offs. It's not really part of the business because I, I like keeping it in its own you know little niche, right? Separate from, because it's a totally different experience. And it's it's not just a totally different experience for the player. It's a totally different experience operating it. And I don't suggest I have any expertise in doing that kind of stuff. Pub trivia questions are totally different, not just in content, but just how they're framed and how they're presented. Everything's different. And that's not my that's not my forte at all. Like, I totally get how some people would like pub trivia or even trivia in general and not like Learned League. That doesn't bother me in the absolute slightest. I totally get it. I have many close friends who are like that. You know, I invite friends to play, um, like very close friends, and they're like, "Yeah, that's not. I don't really like it." And totally fine. I get it. It's a really weird thing. I mean, it's a it's a very specific type of game. Like even in the world of brain games, even in the world of trivia, it's it's really a specific type of thing because it's it's head to head, right? So you you're playing and you you lose a lot. I mean, it's kind of by design built that way, right? Unless you're really, really, really good, like I'm talking like super elite and you're at the top of the A-level, the structure is built that so you'll lose just as much as you win. And that's not fun really for a lot of people, especially people who think they're really good at trivia, you know? So, so I get it. I'm never in the slightest bothered by hearing people say that they don't enjoy it. That's not for everyone totally
1: understand um I'm gonna say something that I'm probably gonna edit out because no one um, who's not a, a learned league member will understand this but I had a Buckner loss the other day oh that's brutal that is brutal yeah it is like the emotional ups and downs of of the league that um that make it unique you know like it's um you don't get that necessarily—the same sort of like uh, screaming on the on the football field because you missed the last field goal or whatever, like and and lost the trip championship. You don't get that level of like emotional turmoil. I feel like with pub trivia, but you do sometimes with learned league. So, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You do. There, there are there are highs and lows in learned league in the structure of the league that. That are are fairly unique, yeah, in trivia.
1: Because, you know, I think a lot of people have an idea of what it looks like to do pub trivia. They see kind of like the MC role that um, a pub trivia host plays. But as we've talked about, then the structure of Learned League is is so different. So you as a commissioner, what what does your day look like uh, when it comes to kind of the making of the sausage of Learned League?
0: Well, so that's, that's, that's an interesting question because my days are very different. Um, there isn't really a typical day um, for for one reason being that learning league is, is cyclical. You know, there are four seasons a year. So there's, there's sort of a schedule, even if it's not laid out specifically by any kind of plan I've put out, it's just, it's just how the cycle of the schedule works. So, you know, there's a learning league season and then there's the off season which are one days and mini leagues. And then there's a lot of work to the build up to the season. And then there's the season and then the off season, you know, so on and so on and so on. So it kind of depends where we are um, in that cycle is how my day goes. Um, so right now, as we're talking, we're right smack in the middle of a season. So where we are now, like I'm done writing the questions. All the questions are done. They're locked and loaded. So I'm not really thinking about questions anymore. In fact, if I am thinking about the questions, I'm thinking about questions that are like days ahead. So like there are questions in today's match that like, I I haven't thought about those questions in days. I don't think about them until I start scoring them. You know, I'm just kind of ahead of that. Um, So I'm working on other things right now. So there's things that are going on just with like administration of the league. And when there's an active season going on, That's when it's busiest in terms of like um, what I would call, say, like customer service type stuff, because there's 27,000 players and they're all visiting the site every day right now. Um, So there's all sorts of issues happening from really tiny issues that have to be addressed to like larger issues um, that have thousands to be addressed. You know, it's just it's a whole gamut. And so that's kind of a big part of what I'm working on now on a daily basis. And there are also different, I guess, I call them like projects. That's what I call them to myself. Like projects I'm working on with like site enhancements, either front end, things that the players see, or back end stuff that helps me administer things and kind of manage, you know, growth and scale and or just kind of different features that make my job easier or more effective. Those things are ongoing. There's, there's a project I'm working, a big project I'm working on, which is, a new feature coming up for the site, which I haven't announced yet. So I have to leave it at that, but then that takes up quite a bit of time working on now. And then there are little, little things that kind of go on uh, like new league naming is a thing that kind of is a thread that goes through the season. Uh, one thing that just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago is the live championship. So that's a fair amount of work um, for just managing that. Cause there are a lot of people who work on that proctors. Oh, you're one actually, aren't you? Yeah. So you know all about that. Um, you know, that's, that's a pretty big job. And then once, once the season winds to a close and there's kind of like getting ready for the season to end stuff, which is kind of preparing for the wrap up of the season. And then once the season has ended, then I, I often give myself a little bit of a break because that's, I've just gone through the most intense part of the the cycle. And so I kind of have to catch my breath usually right after the season. But then we kick in with the one days and mini leagues. And so that's been a different part. uh, That's a different type of work on a daily basis. A little bit less of the quote customer service type of stuff because there are just not nearly as many people visiting the site. But there are still a lot. and, And there are also these different contests going on. And that's also when I have a little bit more time to do like this kind of project work and making things operate. And then once we get about halfway through the off season, that's when the season preparation really kicks in, um, which is, you know, getting ready for the new season. And there's a lot of work that goes into that. Writing the questions is kind of the main, most obvious one, but also just preparing, you know, the different things that have to happen. There's a lot of just the way that the league, the nature of the league, a lot of it is still kind of manual just because... You know, I can, I can automate how things run, but like the setting up of things, there's a lot of manual, many manual aspects to it because, well, a big reason is because things aren't totally hundred percent predictable in terms of like how many people return and how many people join, you know, rookies and things like that. So there's a lot of tweaking that kind of has to go on on the edges. It takes a lot of time. And then there's a big day that happens. It's now the Friday before the season begins. So the registration period ends on a Thursday at the end of the day. And then, so a season starts, let's say season starts on Monday. The previous Thursday is the last day to register. And then that Friday is a really long, very intense day for me here in my office, because that's when I'm setting up the new season. So I'm setting up all the leagues, nearly a thousand or over a thousand now, Rundles Uh, which are the divisions right and setting up and there's a lot of manual work that goes into a lot of that stuff because of what i just said with people coming and going um so like the promotion and relegation zones kind of have to be tweaked for all of them Uh, for example an a rundle always has at least 26 players and so if there are a few players in an a rundle that don't return for some reason uh, which always happens they're um Are spots available and I have to fill those. And so there's just a lot of work and keeping branches together in divisions requires some tweaking. And and I have lots and lots of different tools to help me with this, but it's just, it takes all day to get that all set up. And so usually about seven o'clock in the evening is when I wrap all that up and, and that's it. And then the season is ready to go. Everything's loaded. And then we move over to the new season. And, and so the beginning of the season is very intense. It's died down a little bit now that we're in the middle. But the beginning of the season is intense, A, because there are lots and lots of new players. So, you know, there's kind of the onboarding of those folks. Um, sometimes there's some issues. And and just like new season stuff, you know, people haven't been on the site in a while. And so they password is messed up or whatever, you know, a thousand different things. That's kind of how it works. I rambled a bit. I don't know if I answered your question or not.
1: Yeah, I guess one, one thing that came to mind while you were talking about this, you know, I know I've seen, especially over the last um, maybe year or two, it seems like you have been able to incorporate volunteers to help with some aspects of things. So people who can answer questions that, that folks might have, yeah, the, the proctoring or or testing of, um you know, one day, one day's special, things like that. But would you say on the whole, it's still really just a one man shop? Like, are you able to significantly depend on help from others or does it really all fall on your shoulders
0: it's definitely not a one man operation um, there are many many things that there are volunteers that do things on the site um, because it's you know, like I, I i basically solicit volunteers for things that are fun to do and or that you would get like you know applause and like, you know, like crowd appreciation for. So like the the main thing is like, like authoring or smithing, we call it um, one days, you know, that's fun. That's a lot of people want to do that. There's always way, way more proposals than spots in the calendar for that. Um, But then there are also jobs that are neither of those things that I don't think they're fun. They're jobs that I've done in the past that are not fun. Like one example of that is one day scoring. Um, so every day in the off season or every most days there are a few one days from like three to sometimes there are be as five. Um, so I have a team of people who do that scoring. Like there's a module that I've set up on the site, so it's not automated, but it's like available technically, I guess. Um, so they do that. they do that scoring, and so I rely on them totally. The, those one days wouldn't happen now without that scoring team. And so they're really vital to that happening and they're they're really important and they do a really, really good job. So they so they get paid for that. So that's a job that I paid for. And that and along those same lines, proctors for the championship, again, though it wouldn't happen without you folks. And it's a really important job, and it's really vital. And it's done really well. It's very effective. And so that's another job that I pay for. Um, and So, there, you know, there are things like that. But there are lots and lots of people that contribute to the Learned League website in one way or another that are important.
1: Well, and I, you know, I'm thinking I'm just sort of looking at it from my perspective. Um, I get the impression that a lot of us who do participate in Learned League are very passionate about it people can say it's an online trivia league. Like what's to stop people from just looking up answers. And I think probably the vast majority of us would be appalled at that thought. Um, you know, don't, don't cheat, don't forfeit. Like we have some, some golden universal rules that I think we all, um, respect because that's what makes learned league have value. And I, I appreciate that you clearly appreciate the work of those who support learned league in in various capacities, but I would imagine a lot of people would do it anyway just because they recognize that we're a community and that it's asking a lot of you to sort of do this superhuman effort (laughs) on your own and if we want to continue to reap the benefits of enjoying online trivia uh head-to-head trivia then we also need to contribute as well
0: well i love hearing that i mean that's great that's that's definitely kind of the the culture and the, the system that i've striving to build, you know, because it's, it's definitely important. I mean, there was a time when I did everything um, and it was not as good and not nearly as large. So, you know, so in order for those things to happen, it, it requires, you know, lots of community input. That's for sure.
1: You um, obviously have a lot of then sort of email-based and probably request-based uh, interactions with people when stuff goes wrong or people aren't sure of something. What types of interactions are you able to have with Learned League members beyond just the, I can't remember my password or I don't know what to do in this situation type interactions?
0: Yes. Yeah, so when you mean, so, so I do have lots and lots of interactions with Learned League members in the way that you describe um, sending me messages or, or you know, reports of issues. So I, so how do I say this? So, so the, the job that I do is very isolated. So it's just me, like you're looking at me here in my office. So it's, I don't think anyone has been in this office in a year, except for me. Um, so it's just me here. And the only interaction I have with players is the way you just described, is electronically. Um, I I don't ever see them in person Um, and, you know, I don't call them on the phone or anything. So so it's simply that. And it's also especially right now, like we're right in the middle of the season. So it's it's a lot of interactions, like many, many dozens a day. It's not hundreds. And they're they're virtually all negative in the sense that they are either dealing with complaints or dealing with issues or dealing with problems, which is natural. I mean, of course, you contact the league when you have a problem. So, you know, that's not like, you know, any kind of judgment there, but that's just, so that's the interaction I have with players. I don't, I don't, there haven't been, I mean, the sort of the pandemic has gotten in the way anyway, but that aside, there, there aren't like, I don't, in the old days, I would host like some, like, we called them Learn League Beer Evenings and they were they were fun and a lot of people would come out. Um, but that's when the league was much, much, much smaller. If I did one of those now, I'd actually be really nervous about how many people would come. I probably wouldn't get a big enough space. So there haven't been any, there, there aren't things like that anymore, at least not things that I organize. I know there are other like players, you know, they know each other, you know, they're groups. That's kind of how the league is built. That's kind of how it, how it grows. So um, I know there are, Learned League gatherings all over the place, but I'm not involved in those. I don't organize them. So yeah, my interaction with players is is exclusively 100% virtual um, and not even virtual like like video conferences, virtual email and, and through the site.
1: Do you find, um, so, I mean, it grew out of, you said this sort of group of friends. So do you have people who are still involved in Learn League who are part of that original kind of founding group?
0: Yeah, there are not very many, very few, but there are a handful that have stuck around. Yeah, they're the long timers. You see their, their name. There's, so there's a section on the website of all time leaders. And if you go to that page and like all time leaders for games played, matches played, that's that's who, it, you know, those, those few folks at the very top, the, that's who they are.
1: I'm wondering, you were talking about, you know, in the the lead up to the season starting that one of the things that you have to spend a lot of time on, obviously, is writing the questions, which you do a fantastic job. I always love them. They're very interesting. And um, I feel like you, you know, there are certain ones that contain like puns or Easter eggs that are just really delightful to read. But do you ever experience like writer's block when it comes to just even coming up with a topic for questions?
0: Yes. Definitely. It happens all the time. I, there'll be times when, and it it, actually, it almost always happens. In fact, every time I write questions, I hit a block. There'll be, sometimes it'll be soon. Sometimes it'll be after a while, but it's, it's almost uncanny. Like I'll be sitting. So the way I write trivia questions typically is not at a computer. Um, I will be sitting in a chair or at a desk or something with a book and that's usually kind of where the ideas are generated. And then I'll write down kind of a rough draft of a question um, on these little pieces of paper that I have. And then I'll put it in the book and, and you know, and then eventually the, this book will have a few sheets of paper and then I'll grab another book. But what always happens is that I get to a point, I've written maybe three questions or 10 or 15, and I just, I'm I'm stuck. Like I'll I'll, I'll find a topic that, Oh, I want to write a question about this. That's a, that's a good answer to a question or that's a good subject of a question. And I'll just, I'll just write and write and nothing works. Like I can't get it to, I can't get my hands around it properly. I can't get it to be interesting or I can't get it to be like available. Like what I mean by that is like easy enough, you know, all sorts of different things. Like, like I can't make it about anything but asking for this guy's name and that's just not interesting enough all different sorts of reasons. I just can't get in. So I just throw it out. Like, okay, I'm moving on. And then once that happens, I just, I can't move on. And I'm like stuck. I just can't find anything else. And I just have to stop. I have to come back to this tomorrow because I, yeah, that happens very, very often. Writer's block. Luckily, it doesn't happen at the beginning. Like anytime I want to sit down and write trivia questions, I usually can bang out a few. Um, But sometimes I don't get, sometimes it takes a really long time. Like I can sit there for an hour and a half and I have two questions written. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get through. But then sometimes I can bang out a few in a shorter period of time. Writer's block happens to me all the time.
1: Do you ever have the experience where you like wake up in the middle of the night and you finally think, yes, okay, I now know how to ask the question. That doesn't just mean that isn't just me asking, what is this guy's name?
0: I do, but it's never it's never at night. It's always in the shower. Like I'm taking a shower, like,
1: oh, yes,
0: I got it. That's how it works. Yeah. But then, you know, I'm in the shower. I can't write it down, so I have to remember it. And I don't always remember it, unfortunately. Yeah. But.
1: So you're saying a good birthday present, if anyone in Learned League wants to get you a present, would be some type of, like, wax crayon and waterproof tablet that you can use in the shower.
0: That would be really useful for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Now, I do want to ask, in terms of questions you know, some of them, obviously we have different categories. There's world history, American history, art, theater, math. My worst one I think is sports, um, you know, falling into gender stereotypes here. But uh, do you ever find with some of the current events ones or pop culture that they end up being kind of like oddly prescient? Like you'll write something before a season that then you know, like, I don't know if you've written anything about, for example, Queen Elizabeth, not knowing, of course, that she was going to, you know, pass away during this time. Do you ever find that weird coincidences like that happen?
0: I I don't know that I have, actually. That, now that you mention it, it's not something I've ever really thought about. I suppose it probably happens just as a matter of chance. No, I can't. I can't think of any time where I, I thought, whoa, that's weird. I can't believe I, I just asked that. And now this happened. It probably has, you know, I think, I think the issue about it, maybe why it's not coming to my mind right away is, is something I mentioned before is that once finish a question, I kind of stop thinking about it. I just kind of, yeah, it just kind of leaves my head and just, and I move on because there's so much there's so much to do and there's so much coming that, you know, like I work on it, I finish it. It's where I want it, want it to be. And then I let it go. It probably has happened quite a bit. I just haven't noticed it. One thing that I do that is pointed out to me a lot though, is how I'll, I'll have a a question in learned league, which, you know, as I said before, you know, these are, are written weeks in advance. I mean, the drafts are like week, many weeks in advance. Uh, So there'll be a question in learned league. And then somebody will, will say, did you know that there was a question on jeopardy tonight or yesterday or tomorrow, you know, or, like the exact you, you asked the exact same thing, and of course, I didn't know. It's just weird how those things pop up, and it happens fairly frequently. It's it's kind of weird how these coincidences pop
1: up. Well, and now that you've mentioned Jeopardy, of course, that means I have to bring up uh, some of our most renowned members. When whenever I'm introducing Learned League to other people, you know, especially in the states, one of the first things I tend to say is you know, it's it's uh, the online trivia league that Ken Jennings <laughs> participates in. So, yeah. um, I, you know, I don't know, that's probably something that you hear an awful lot from people, but sort of like the more illustrious members of of the league, whether they're illustrious or notorious because of their trivia knowledge or for other reasons, like I think, was it Mark Meadows?
0: So I'm not technically at liberty to reveal Players in the yeah. league, right? Um, so, 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 I can't tell you who is in the league and who isn't. Um, but I can tell you there was a public report about Mick Mulvaney that was online, so that I'm just mentioning that that report was written. I'm not telling you that he is or isn't in the league <laughs> officially. <laughs>
1: sure. well, and you know it's it's one of those things where um i I think about how you know, I I definitely see some really creative player names on there. And I know, uh, there are some people who have very, yeah, just kind of forgettable or common names and they, you know, can kind of maybe disappear into the woodwork a little bit, but, uh, for other folks, it's not as easy to, to do that. Did you know that my dilettante life is on social media? Follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to get new episodes and blog posts along with other content. The Twitter handle is at dilettante life and on Instagram it's at my dilettante life podcast. Remember, dilettante is spelled D-I-L-E-T-T-A-N-T-E. Once you've liked or followed the show, please share with your friends. Now I have a, a couple questions that are maybe more relevant for pre-COVID era, but I was just, you know, I was thinking. When you, let's say, go to a party and one of the first topics that often comes up when you meet new people is, oh, so what do you do for a living? What like how do people react? And also, how do you introduce like how do you describe in that sort of opening conversation with someone what you do for a living?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, because this just came up Uh, a couple of days ago. um, I had a friend in town and we went to a baseball game. And he brought a couple of his colleagues um, who, who, who were in town with him for business. And so they were asking me what I did for a living. And, and I, so I, I, I struggle with this all the time. And I was, as I was telling them, so my friend knows what I did. So I was kind of like talking to them with him and say, you know, it's, this is tricky because for a lot of people, it takes quite a bit of explanation to describe thoroughly like what, what I do, what my job is. And even like a cursory explanation of it takes a little bit of detail. So a lot, a lot of times when I, right after I left Microsoft and for quite a while after that, I would always start off my, kind of my description of what I do. I would always start it off by saying that I recently left Microsoft and even sometimes I would even say I recently retired from Microsoft. And the reason I did that was to sort of signal what I'm about to explain to you is legitimate. It's a real thing. It's not just I'm not just some like fly by night kind of do a different thing every month. And this is what I do now, you know, because I I've, I've always I was always nervous about like, you know, the legitimacy. Like it, the seriousness of it, you know. Like I was a professional, and now I'm not. And I mean, at least not in the way I was. So, so that that that's something I've always struggled with. And and I and I always feel like I'm overly self-deprecating about it because I don't want to give a negative impression of it. So so it it is tough. But what I what I usually start off by saying, I no longer say I recently left Microsoft. That was eight years ago, so that would pretty much be a lie now. So what I what I say to, to lead off is that I run a web-based business. And so that like kind of starts it off on, all right, okay, it's a business, web-based business. People kind of understand what that means. And then I say, it's a trivia business. And then they're often intrigued, like, oh, trivia, especially people who are kind of into that. Like, oh, I wonder what that is. And then I say, it's a trivia league. It's, an, it's a, it's a membership based online trivia league. And the majority of time people are really intrigued by that um, because that's not something they've ever heard anyone say before. So there's always a lot of questions. And then, so sometimes I like leave it at that. Like, is that sufficient? Or do you want to know more? Sometimes it's, Oh, okay. That sounds interesting. And then that's the end of it. And then they say, I'm an attorney. Or, I'm an attorney. Very often it's not enough because they have questions. Because that does lead to many questions. Most people have never heard of that before, so so then you know I'll start answering their questions, and the questions could be any sort of thing. Like the some sort a certain type of person, the first question is how does it make money? Um, for another type of person, the question is what kind of trivia? For another type of person, how does it work? How does it operate? You know, what do you do? That you know, so it's, so it kind of goes into. 80 different directions from there, based on the response I get. That's kind of how I introduce it.
1: Now, an important question. Are you, as commissioner, allowed to extend invites to new referrals if someone meeting you at a dinner party says, that sounds interesting, I want to join?
0: Well, yeah, I'm allowed. I give myself permission to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I don't do it very often. Um, what I, what I do do is I invite them to check it out. And I it's like here's the website, you know, explore, check it out. Let me know if you have any questions. And then if you're interested, let me know. And then, you know, I, I'll extend an invitation or I'll refer you basically. And then you can join the wait list. So that's how that works, but it's not very often actually. I mean, I'm just thinking on top of my head. I probably have, there are probably maybe three or four over the, over the last year and a half or two years that I've referred essentially. Um, because usually I'm meeting people. Well, not usually, I guess that's not really true, but often it happens where I'm talking to people who happen to know a learning league member. Cause it's always better for me if they're referred by a member. Um, for a few reasons. One, they're attached to a person. So that kind of makes it easier operationally. And then and someone's vouching for them. Even if I would vouch for them, it's nice just to have a player vouch for them. Um, I think it looks better for them. So so that's 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 often how it works.
1: Given that you had a career previous to this, I want to preface this by saying this is like a completely open question. So you can answer with whatever in whatever direction you want. If you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing instead?
0: The easy answer to that is I would probably still be working at Microsoft. Because um, um, I there's no other reason why I left um, other than Learned League. So, you know, everything was going fine. Um, you know, who knows? That was eight years ago. So who knows? You know, I have lots of colleagues there from that time who are no longer there so that could have been me i don't know so there's no way to predict really i but my assumption is that i would just still probably be there just kind of working through doing sort of the same type of stuff maybe at a little bit higher level by this point but um because like i said there, there wasn't I, I wasn't motivated to leave microsoft it wasn't it wasn't a push out like there wasn't anything at the company or my job really or or anything like that that led me to leave that's not to say that I didn't I wasn't happy to leave it was really nice to leave (laughs) a corporate job but but if I yeah I didn't have something else that's where I'd be
1: it's funny because I want to I'm wondering if you have any sort of like you know dream job that you in the back of your mind have thought oh it would be it would been would have been cool had I been able to do that and i think for some people your job is probably the dream job that they may have in the back of their minds um but yeah do you have is there anything that you you know maybe as a kid thought oh it would be really cool to be a race car driver or or something completely out of left field
0: no nothing like that so you're right this is a dream job i mean it's it's weird to say but this this is a dream job you know like i like we were talking before this was a job that i fantasized about doing for a long time before I actually started to do it for a job. Um, so there's nothing else, no matter how difficult this job gets and sometimes it gets really rough. There's no job that I would not only is there no other job that I would rather have, there's no other person who has a job that I can meet. This is the best, but for, but obviously I didn't dream about this when I was a kid. So when I was a kid, you know, when I, when I would, I didn't have dreams like, you know, astronaut or race car driver, firefighter, that thing. Like I'm thinking about myself like in high school and stuff. I think that the thing that I thought I would do was like an academic, you know, like a historian, you know, something like that. That was kind of what I the thought I had in my head of what I would do. But of course, I had no idea what that really meant. But there wasn't any kind of like wild, crazy fantasy that I strove for.
1: Well, and I'm thinking now, you know, just about the probably large amounts of data that we're generating through our participation in Learned League and how, you know, maybe one day in your Twilight career or something, uh, it might be an interesting project to kind of go back and dig through some of it and see, you know, best wrong answers, how things changed over the years. Or even, um, you know, we have the message board and I'm thinking, you know, In some ways, it seems like trivia for the last several years, more than that, has been kind of having a moment, whereas before that it wasn't maybe so in the, yeah, sort of pop culture conversation. And so it would be interesting later on to come back as a historian and see how that was reflected in our everyday interactions with with Learned League and with the site.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that. Yeah, I think you're right. There's so much data involved with Learned League just at an aggregate level i mean it's like taking the names out of it I mean, you know just the aggregate level uh, you know if somebody had the time and the inclination and the skill there's i'm sure there's lots and lots of insights you could probably pull out of out of all of this information
1: yeah <laughs> when, when you have some free time
0: yeah right <laughs>
1: So um, I could ask you more questions all day, but I do want to be respectful of your time. So my last question for you is, what would you like to be asked about your work as the commissioner of Learned League?
0: That's a tough question. And the reason why it's a tough question is that part of my role with regard to, well, let let me frame this properly. So there's a certain set of people that I serve, which is a Learned League membership, Right. I don't really concern myself with anyone beyond that, right? I'm not I'm not a public figure, you know. I don't I'm not looking for more work. I'm not recruiting more members, even right. The people that join them they're referred organically. So, so I only really care about my performance with regard to the learnly membership, and with regard to the learnly membership, I almost kind of don't want them to notice my job. You understand what I mean? It's kind of like, like a referee sort of like, you know, they say like, like, if you don't talk about the reps, the whole game, they did a good job. That's kind of how I feel about my own role in learned league. Like I, if everything's running smoothly, you know, everything works, you don't really think about me and that's perfect. So it's not that I certainly not want to, I'm not desiring to withhold any information um, or hide anything at all. I'm eager to share I kind of like the, the idea that league members don't really know a lot about me and what I do and don't really care. Like as long as everything works, like you don't really want to know what the ref, like the the umpire in a baseball game, you don't really want to know like what, what's going on in their life. That's kind of how I envision myself in the, in learned league, you know, and, 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 another reason why I think that is because I don't want learning League to be about me. You know, like, like I started it, I run it, it's, you know, my business, it's, you know, all that, like I'm in control of it, but I don't want myself to be the focus of it. Like I want the players to be the focus and I want the content to be the focus. To your question, what would I want someone to ask me about my job? I think my response is i would I would want learned league members to not care so much about my job just that i that's just that it's done. does that make sense? I don't mean to yes. sound negative about it
1: no, well, and you know of course in my capacity as the host uh, and interviewer of of my dilettante life, you know, it's um, it's very interesting for me to talk with you about your job, but as a player, you know, exactly what you're saying, as long as everything runs smoothly, no offense, but I don't think about you that much. <laughs> Great. That's, that's
0: exactly what <laughs> I want to hear. That's music yeah. to my ears. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Great. Yeah. All right. Well, glad I can fulfill that uh, that dream of yours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much, Shane, for for taking the time to talk with me and share a little bit about um, what has to be one of the world's most unique jobs. Um, it's been great getting a peek into um, the, you know, how the sausage gets made. Um, <laughs> and I really appreciate your uh, your willingness to chat with me. So thanks so much.
0: That was my pleasure. and I really I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of My Dilettante Life hosted by me, Hannah Bender, and produced by Jose Camacho. The podcast theme music was composed by Anna Bradley with sound editing assistance from Yuli Annarson. The podcast logo was designed by Ashley Burke with help from model Ivy Bean. If you're enjoying the podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with others. Whether you use Apple, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, or another podcast platform, you'll find the newest episode every other Wednesday. Check out the show's website for more cool content. At hannabinder.com slash my dilettante life. That's H A N A B I N D E R.com slash my dash dilettante dash life.